Good morning. Happy Monday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Quick housekeeping item. Uh, applications for the Intensive 17 are still open, but they will be closing this evening. So if you've been waiting or you've been thoughtfully filling out your responses, um, please do so in a timely manner because we're going to close this down uh, this evening. We got to get started on the blind reads of the applications to select our eight people by, I believe, Friday. Um, so we'll get that done for you. But uh, again, please be timely with your applications. Digging into today's Q&A, this was Zach. Um, Zach was on a coffee and coaches conference call uh, last week, and he actually brought a case uh, to, to the call. And we actually have a representation of this where we're talking through someone's representation of where their center of gravity is based on on a, a, a static standing uh, representation. Does this give us all of our information that we need? Absolutely not, but it does provide us indications, it does provide us clues, and then we have to correlate these things with if we do table tests or if we do dynamic movements, we wanna make sure that we correlate that. But there's a lot of information that you can, that you can glean from someone's position in space. And, and so we, we kind of break that down. So this would be very useful for many of you um, who might be in a, an environment where you don't do table tests and you have to rely on some visual representation. So thank you, Zach, for bringing this. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Include your question in the email, if you will. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Monday. Happy intensive week. So intensive starts this Thursday, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. So first question, kind of like chessboard, just like getting an idea of where he is in space. Yeah. Uh, some of the most like limited measures I've taken to date in terms of like five to 10 degrees of hip IR bilaterally, right shoulder was five degrees of IR. Yeah. Um, even like his, his ER, like he didn't even have 80 degrees on either side of, for his shoulders. Um, but in the hip, ERs were up around like, I think it was 50 on the right, 40 on the left. Yep. And then shoulder flexion was like below 50, 45 on both sides. Um, so I guess the first question that came up in my head, um, as a narrow, he would go forward on the left first and then start to head right. And that right side would get pulled down. I guess I feel like I've seen people. Do you have his feet? Do you have his feet in the picture? I don't have his feet. Arr. Sorry. <laughs> um, hang on a second. Can you blow that up? Yeah. Where, where do you want? Um, slide down so I can get as close to his feet as possible because you can kind of see where his ankles are. Ah, there we go. Awesome. Perfect. Okay, golden. So like getting like pushed to the right and that right side's turning out. Uh, socket it. Okay, so so go back up to the shoulder for a sec. Zoomed in or like blown out with everything? Yeah, just just slide up now. You're fine. Okay. Um, what did he do with this pet monkey? What did he do with this pet monkey? You know, the pet monkey that he had hanging on his left shoulder when he walked in the door. What did he, did he set it down or something? Yeah. Do you see the pet monkey pulling down on his, on his, on his left shoulder? Do you see it? I do. Okay. So, so what direction is the, is the right glenoid pointing? The right glenoid would be pointing outwards, like into 
into more like more of an ER orientation. Up, ER is up, right? So so it's up and out. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. What, which way do you think his his right acetab in this face? Same thing. Yeah. Exactly the same thing. Yep. 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 So so you got a massive amount of orientation here. So so he is. This is and you can see it. And he's got the perfect shirt on. Um, cool logo and all, but uh, but you see the 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 draping of the shirt is is telling you where his anchor is and then what direction he is literally moving to the greatest degree. Can you elaborate what you mean by like the anchor? Okay, so so you see his left wrist. It's holding his shirt down, and then he is pulling his shirt in the opposite direction. Do you see the the draping? Yes. So he's kind of pinning his arm against his left hip, right? Because his monkey pulled it down before he got into the room. You see it? You see how everything's just moving up and to the right? Yes. Yeah. So 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 he bumped into, he literally bumped into his hip and he had to turn it up and out to keep moving to the right. Gotcha. So I guess. So so in the old school. They would go, man, he's got a really long left leg. Right? Yep. Yeah. So I feel like with narrows, I've seen people with less limited range of motion, but it looks like they've started to get pulled down on the right, which up until now, my interpretation was kind of like those two things would be directly correlated. And like the more limited your range of motion gets, the further you've gone along. Set, right side should get pulled down uh -huh. He's super limited but it doesn't look like that right side's getting pulled down as hard as some people i've seen in the past so i'm thinking there's some sort of mismatch in the way i'm thinking about that okay why would you get pulled down what would be the reasoning behind getting pulled down um just like the concentric orientation and the right posterior lower no 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 oh, like like not not a description of how what i want to know is why would you even use that as a strategy if, uh i guess i'm not sure why this might happen but i'm thinking like if the okay right hang on so so let's follow his shirt let's just keep shoving him to the right so that's kind of what i was thinking like if he's continuing to go up and to the right like eventually he needs to get that foot back and that leg back to the ground just to put force into the ground right he can only turn his leg out so far before he runs out of strategy here so is the down in in ir orientation the down is 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 the ir right he's going to figure out a way to go down right so I can anteriorly orient, but I only have so much of that. I can side bend, you know, by traditional terminology, but I only have so much of that, right? Something has to, eventually I have to pull back down to stay inside of my base of support, right? Is he doing that yet? No. No, no. Gotcha, so it's so a different, Different people are going to hit those constraints at different rates. So even the rate, the range of motion measures won't be purely reflective of like, at, like it's not like everyone's going to hit 20 degrees of motion here. And then they need this strategy that's they'll hit at different points and they'll use them at different points. 
Yes, because Cameron and I are different. Right? Yes. So the, the way that you stated it, I thought was was excellent. You said that at different rates, because that's exactly what's going to happen, right? It's it's all a matter of like how much. Like, so again, if he was six inches shorter, he's down farther. Like he's not as high. So, so he's down. So his strategy is going to be a little bit different as to how far he has gone, how hard he has to work to maintain his position over his base of support. Right. This goes back to the concept of the fact that everybody has their own idiosyncratic ranges of motion. There are averages that we use for comparison, but everybody's got their own normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and then just keep in mind, it's like your measures are going to tell you where he is. You just have to look at the relationships. It's not about whether he's got 47 or 49 degrees of hip ER. It, it has to do with the relationship of how much to how much elsewhere, right? That's what's going to tell us where he is in space, how far he's gone, and then what our first uh, intervention should be um, in regards to, to how we're going to move him, right? Yep. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have neuro coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Very busy Tuesday coming up. A uh, little housekeeping item. We have closed the applications for the Intensive 17. We'll start the blind readings this week and hopefully get you guys notified by Friday. I think that that was my target date. We do have the Intensive 16 this week. so. Bear with me on that. Digging into today's Q&A, this is with uh, Zach with a little bit of an assist from Ian. Zach's question was initially about some of the thoracic shape change that we talk about to promote an up pump handle, so that anterior expansion of the, of the thorax using upper extremity positions and orientations. And so we kind of talked our way through that, and then Ian came in and gave a little bit of an assist as far as some of the descriptions that we might use to promote a proximal change, either at the scapula or at the sternum, as, as previously described, um, to, get, to kind of guide us through how we might use these activities. We tend to talk a lot about pelvic shape change, the propulsive phases, but we're driving the propulsive phases through the thorax as well. So this will help you to understand how you can use those upper extremity positions and orientations a little bit more effectively. So thank you guys um, for that. If you'd like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday and I'll see you tomorrow. Right. Did, you, did you touch on the reach specifically and how yeah. you get pump handle? Yeah. Do you want late or do you want early? Uh, yeah, let's go early for this. Okay. So, so what would early look like with a reach? Um, you're talking like angle of shoulder flexion? Hold your arm up. So put yourself in dead center middle. Uh, don't make me do this too long. Arms get tired. <laughs> oh, please. So if you, so if you're dead center middle, so you're a bunch of 90 degree angles right now. Okay. All right. So uh, turn your Phoenix to the left. Okay. Did you just compress the scapula to the thorax? 
medial border of the scapula. Did it get closer to the spine? Yes. Okay, so you just compressed dorsal rostral, did you not? Yes. Okay, so where would the expansion occur under those circumstances? Oh. Gotcha. Now you get it, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is very clear, isn't it? That's, that's why we do this. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, that's very helpful. Yeah, so, so again, it's like, what, if you're chasing a late representation, right? Is there more IR in a late representation? Than in early. Than in early? Yeah. Okay, so it stands to reason then if I use a late reach, I would get more anterior expansion to allow that IR to be demonstrated, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, and if I use an early reach, right, more posterior delay, it's a delay, right? It's still an ER representation, and that would be your, that would be ER with the superimposition of, of of early IR on it, right? When you're saying late versus early reach, is that strictly how far up or down my shoulder is? You could look at it that way too. You just have to understand the rule, right? So take the arm off. And look at the axial skeleton. That's what you're doing. You're just creating you're creating a shape of the axial skeleton. Right. Right. And so then that's that's how you determine what you're going to do with that extremity. I'm using the extremity to, to move the axial skeleton through space and create a shape change. Gotcha. Again, this 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 is one of those reasons why people get confused about about early, middle, and late representations is because they're looking at the extremities and they're going, but when I put the arm in this position, if I'm crawling, right? Is where does the axial skeleton go? Yeah. And then you say, but if I'm walking, but what if I'm squatting? It's like, okay, what shape is the axial skeleton? Right? That's what we have to pay attention to. Cool. That's the rule. The rule is the axial skeletal shape. Okay. Yep. Very helpful. Excellent. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Bill, sorry. Yeah. Would would an early early reach look the same with the right right arm forward, but the, the phoenix toward toward the arm? <sighs> no. That would yeah, that would be more that would be a refrigerator turn, wouldn't it? All right. All right. So e? okay. So do you, so this goes back to your cervical question. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you creating the late representation or are you creating a delay? So the delay doesn't turn everything in the opposite direction. It just slows it down. It's like, where is the expansion occurring under the circumstance? It's like, you put your arm up. I got news for you. You just upwardly rotated your scapula, right? So right away, I, I have constrained the system to reduce the amount of rotation. It's like, so if I turn this way, I'm going to move more towards a late representation. If I, if I delay, so I'm not turning, I'm not doing this. All right. Right. Yeah. I'm just slowing yeah. this side down. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not reorienting the, the, the thorax. See, that's the mistake. People are trying to, too many people when they're trying, so they think they're creating delay strategies and all they're doing is creating orientations. And that's why they get things like, wow, I got so much IR, but I didn't get an ER. It's like, guess what yeah. you did? You created an orientation. That's that's a dead giveaway for the orientation. All right. All right. Love it. Yeah. 
Plus, I can play with the with the angles. And Absolutely, it's like understand the rule. Under like like this is this is where a little anatomy goes a long way. It's like what position is the scapula in? That tells me about the orientations of the musculature, right? And then I superimpose the delay strategies on top of it, which is my connective tissue behaviors. That's how I recreate early, middle, and late. Yeah, yeah. Crawl across the ground, and you say, "Well, wait a minute." I can, I can tweak this. I can shift this a little bit more in one direction than the other. And I can make one side a little bit more late, a little bit more early, or I can literally just change the delay strategy without even changing the orientation. And I have a totally different representation. All right, all right. And even, even with the position uh, Zach was holding, I can, I can supinate my, my hand, ER it. And then what happens, what happens proximally when you do that? Yeah, I get more of an of a delay. Well, you turn you're you're changing the position of the scapula distal to proximal. That's that's early. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs>right you have to sift through all the crap so you understand what crap is good morning happy wednesday i have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect all right today is wednesday that means tomorrow's thursday tomorrow 6 a.m coffee and coaches conference call as usual grab yourself a cup of coffee join us for some great q a with some great people um, we are in the 90s as far as how many of these we've done over the last couple of years. So um, we're getting pretty good at it. So please join us. Uh, digging into today's Q&A, this is a conversation I had with Ryan. Ryan had some questions about sort of how to be successful in the fitness industry. And um, the thing you have to kind of realize about this, the way this works, is you're going to find your own way. If the desire is great enough and if, if you're following your strengths, you're going to do really, really well and you're going to find your own path and that's the only way. And so this is a conversation about how to go about that and how to understand this process. It's not about a cookbook that you can follow and say, oh, do this, do this, do this, because it's not going to work for you. The thing you have to understand is you got to find your own way. And so this is a really good conversation for anybody that's in any industry. It doesn't really matter. But if you're if you're young in any industry, they're all the same. Everybody gets to go through the same, same crap, as we would say, um, to get there. And, and so you just have to understand that, that you're going to find your own way. Hang in there. Um, embrace the struggle, as I am fond of saying. So um, I hope you find this one useful. If you'd like to participate in a 15-minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Put 15-minute consultation in the subject line so I don't delete it. Uh, please include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Wednesday. I will see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Coffee and Coaches Conference call. All right, video is rolling. Timer has started. Ryan, what is your question? All right, so I just wanted to know how you kind of got where you are in the field. So I I just kind of want to get an idea on your career path and how you wound up where you are. Um, why why did why does that matter to you? I'm just curious. Because uh, I want people to learn how to like navigate this fitness uh, industry. Mm -hmm. I want to so, help. So yeah. Um, but here, so here's the problem with that, though, is that, like, 
if if I give you the the every detail of how I got to where I am and you try to follow that, you can't do it. Right. So I, I so agree. so where's the value in that young man? <laughs> um, I guess maybe could you give advice on how you went about navigating the field? So um, I will tell you a quick story. Okay. That might be helpful. Okay. So, um, you know, when you're in high school and you're like senior year and they, they always ask you, say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do after you leave high school and stuff like that? Uh -huh. And if you look at, if you look at an interview I did, it said I was going to be a, 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 a corporate attorney. Okay. <laughs> and so I went to college and that was my thought process. And I started studying economics and I, I got a B in, in economics and I had to take some other courses at the same time. And they were all science courses and I got A's. And the moral of the story is, is that I was, I thought that was what I wanted to do. And had I pursued that path, I would have been miserable mm -hmm. because it wasn't, it wasn't involved in my strengths. Yeah. And what the science classes allowed me to do is to see where I was strongest. And so that helped direct me toward something that I would be good at first and foremost. So, so the, the step that you want to follow first is follow your strengths. It doesn't matter what you think you want to do. It's like, what are you good at? So, you know, you say, oh, I want to work my way up in the fitness industry. Is, is that what you're good at? And if you're not, don't waste your time redirect yourself, figure out what you're really, really good at. Maybe you're a great guitar player and you should be a musician, right? Or maybe you're a great carpenter and then that's what you should do. And so I think that the mistake that people make right off the bat is it's something that they enjoy. Say, I like to go work out, great. Um, and you look like you work out, great. Um, running a business in the fitness industry or being a fitness professional is not the same thing as liking to work out. And that's a big mistake that people make, right? Because they enjoy it. Well, I could just show people how to do this and it'll be great. And it's like, and then, and then they find out, well, okay, this is not fun for me. It's fun for me to work out, but it's not fun for me to try to get other people to work out. Right. And so whatever path you choose, it will be your path, not my path. The path that you want to take, first and foremost, is one that emphasizes your strengths that's where you want to go. Okay. Do you have any advice on figuring out your strengths? Yeah, you do stuff and you find out what you like to do and what you're really, really good at. Right. Just try to put yourself in different experiences. Right. That's what, that's what childhood is for. Right. That's why you, that's what your youth is for is to, is to do stuff. You have very low risk situation when you're young. It's like, what do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Right? You don't own anything, you don't have any money, right? And so you just do stuff. And then you sort of find out, it's like, you know what? I'm really, really good at this. And I start moving in this direction. And then maybe it's a dead end, who knows? Um, but we all hit any number of dead ends through this process. But what, what people end up doing is they, is they do what they think they should do, or they follow a path that they've been told to follow. And sometimes it works out great, you know, it's like, well, <clears throat> I'll give you a friend to say, um, one of the kids I used to work with when he, I, I started working with him when he was in high school and then through college, <clears throat> and he's now an orthopedic surgeon. 
Oh, well. And his dad was an orthopedic surgeon. And it turns out that he's a really good orthopedic surgeon. Okay. But what if he wasn't? Right? Like, what if he forced himself into that situation? He finds out, oh my gosh, this is just a horrible, miserable existence. Right? Because it could have been. It just turned out that, okay, he's a lot like his dad. His dad was a really good orthopedic surgeon. Turns out that he's a really good orthopedic surgeon. So, and, and again, everybody says, oh, he just followed the same path his dad is. No, no, he followed his strengths, right? And it just, and he, and he could have been really good at something else based on those strengths. It just that happens that, okay, um, there was a predisposition um, based on his, his familiarity with things. So he kind of followed the same general direction, but he's not his dad. He's not the same surgeon that his dad is, <clears throat> you know, and, and potentially could be better. Yeah. Who knows? But, but the, the point is, is that, is that me expressing how I got here, you can't do it. It's not even feasible for you to even do it. It's like, if you, if, but if that's the path that you, you think that you should take, because it does um, follow your strengths, you will find your way if the desire is sufficient, right? Do you need a credential? Okay, pursue that credential, right? Do you need a skill? Yes, pursue that skill. I don't know what your skill set is because it's different from mine. So me saying, well, I did this and I did this and I did this. And you go, well, I'm going to do that too. It's like, well, wait a minute, but that's not your path. The, the thing that people need to recognize is they have to discover these things for themselves because then there's an emotional attachment to it. And then it becomes meaningful. If I tell you, it's like, here's what I did. And everybody goes, wow, let's do that. And it's like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to find your own path. And, and so, again, it's like, I, I will happily tell you my story for entertainment purposes, right? I just don't think it's terribly meaningful. Yep. Right? Because, you know, I, as far as late bloomers go, I'm a late bloomer. Like, I spent a lot of time um, getting really, really good at what I do. And most people aren't willing to do that. Like people want to accelerate the process because they see they see what they perceive as somebody that is successful. And they go, I'm going to do that. And they make the leap without understanding. It's like, I went through 30 years of process. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to wait that long? Are you willing to invest that long? Right? And, and some people don't need that. Like some people can go faster than I did. And that's perfectly fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. Some people will take longer than I did. So again, it's like, my success doesn't matter, right? How do you define it? Like you, look, you might look at me and you say, well, Bill is successful. And, and I would agree to a certain degree that, that I am, you know, um, I'm still working like everybody else is to get to where I want to go. But, but again, it's like, my success doesn't really matter because you can't be me and I can't be you. So congratulations, you're special too, right? Mom always said you were special, right? right. But, but again, it's like, my story is not helpful. It's just entertainment. Yeah. Right? It, it, might, it might provide inspiration like, to what is possible, but it's not going to help somebody get somewhere. Like you got you to gotta unfortunately do the work. You've got to find your own way to get there, wherever there is. And, and where you think it might be will probably change. How old are you? 25. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> you got some time my friend you got some yeah. time 
Yeah. So, so, and, and all you have to do is like, you just move in a general direction. And sometimes the general direction becomes very, very specific very quickly. And sometimes it doesn't. And like I said, sometimes you hit a lot of dead ends, you make some sharp turns and you make course corrections and, and eventually you end up somewhere else that you, that you actually should be based on who you are and what you're capable of versus saying, Oh, this is the career path, you know? Um, do you know where I went to school? No. See, doesn't matter, does it? No, I guess not. Right? No. Well, I, I, it's, what, it's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like people say, like, I, I get a lot of questions like from potential students. They say, where should I go to physical therapy school? It's like, where can you get in? Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. You know, take the most famous physical therapist there is. Most people don't know where they went to school. You know, just because they went to school there doesn't mean you should go to school there. It just means go to school if you need if you need that credential. Right. Right. So Say, uh, probably not what you wanted to hear. Right. Oh, I, I love it. Um, <clears throat> what if you are in a situation where you figure out you feel like you know what you need to learn or, or what you need to get like credential wise? Uh -huh. Do you have any type of process on how to uh like get there without having to kind of dig through all the stuff that's not so great because at least i feel like the within our industry there's it's challenging it's challenging to navigate through the not so great stuff to find the great stuff why would you want to ignore the not so great stuff how do you know okay how do you know the difference between something that's useful and something that's not useful if you don't know what not useful means? That's a good question. Why do you think, why do you think something should ever be easy? I guess it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You're yeah. absolutely right. Because the minute, the minute you search for easy, okay, um, <clears throat> what, what's, your, what's your educational background? Exercise science, bachelor's. Okay. All right. So um, they pounded you with energy systems, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, pick any, any element of, of energy systems that you are familiar with. That I'm familiar with? Yeah. <laughs> uh, glucose. <laughs> what's that? What's that? Okay. So what, what's the, what's the, uh, what's that, the half reaction? So, so uh, ADP plus uh, CP gets you what? ADP plus CP. ADP plus CP gets you what? ATP. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That was easy, right? Yeah. Did you learn anything? No. Yeah. There you go. So why do you want easy? Why do you want easy? Like, like, again, everybody's looking for easy. They're looking for a hack. They're looking for a shortcut. Great. That means you learned nothing. Yeah. Right. You have to sift through all the crap. So you understand what crap is. Right. So you do find the useful elements. So you do accumulate understanding and, and true knowledge versus just spewing information, which is what most people do. Mm -hmm. Right. They substitute information for, for knowledge which is not the same thing, right? I can repeat stuff, right? I mean, I am, I am, 
I am very limited in my capabilities, right? I stick, I stick to just a few things that I'm, that I'm reasonably good at, right? Um, anything outside of that, I can repeat information, but it doesn't mean anything. I'm not adding a value to it, right? I'm just repeating stuff, right? And that doesn't make me smart. It just means that I have a pretty good memory. Yeah. Right. And the goal that, that you should be looking at is where do I want to go? Okay. And then go and you will figure it out. And yes, it will be hard. And yes, you will do stupid stuff. And you'll, you'll, I always talk about banging my head on my steering wheel um, when I feel stupid. Okay. Cause you're supposed to feel stupid sometimes. So you know what direction not to go. Right. I could, I could describe a path for you and it's meaningless. It's meaningless because it's not you. It's not your way. You have a certain way that you understand things. You have a certain way that you see things. How tall are you? 5'11". Okay. So you're taller than me. I'm a, I'm a little bit shorter than you. And if we were standing next to each other and we're looking at the same thing, do you realize that your eye level is different than mine? Yes. So do you see the same thing that I do? No. Under any circumstance, you, you don't. You see, that's something that simple. It's like your perspective, your true visual perspective is different from mine, even though we're looking at the same thing. Mm -hmm. Therefore, our appreciation of what it is, is going to be different. And then take all of your, all of your persona, like every element of your persona being totally different from mine. Now combine everything and say, oh, do you think you can get the same outcome? It doesn't mean you won't be successful in your outcome, just means that and we can actually end up in the same place, but we're going to have two different paths to get there, mm -hmm. right? And that's what's uncomfortable for people because again, they, okay, um, are you, is it your goal? And I don't think this is the case. That's why I'm, I'm going to say this. Is it your goal to be mediocre in what you're doing? No. Okay. So if, if you're going to follow a path that someone has already taken, how do you stand out? I guess you have to do it differently. So, okay. So there's a line of people and they're all, they're all walking on a path. <clears throat> okay. All right. And the guy that's leading, the guy that's leading Okay, and, 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 and so they're creating the path. So the guy that's leading is the one that has to literally move all the stuff out of the way, cut the brush away and pat the ground down for the next guy. Who's special there? The guy that's leading because he's doing all the work. He's like saying, this is the way that we're gonna go. Everybody goes, okay, I'll just follow you, right? And so like, you know, if you're fifth or sixth in line, it's like, you're not doing anything. Right. You're not, you're not, you're not adding value, right? You see it? You see what I'm getting at? Yes. Yeah. It's like stories are great. They can inspire people to do great things. They really can. But you can't, but you can't use that as, as a map because your map is different from mine. Mm -hmm. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect like sunday when we were talking about uh when we had that one athlete that was compressed on the right side but we started to bring her to the left rather than bring her back on the right and then to the left 
Yeah. Okay. So, I remember. She was a yeah. uh, narrow ISA, right? Yeah. So I was wondering, so when, I guess, when is it, what are some markers or I, I don't know how, because to, to me, I thought she looked like she was so compressed on the right forward. Uh -huh. Definitely on, oh, She was definitely from left to right, but I thought she was also compressed forward. Uh -huh. And so I was wondering um, what would be some markers or some, how do I know when to bring somebody back on the right and then go to the left rather than just go from right to left? Because again, right. like I said, the, the markers I thought were, to me spoke to, to that to bring her back first but anyway okay so you you have to understand starting conditions and then the ending conditions and then how did they get there okay and 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 it's it's that simple okay it's never simple when you're dealing with human beings but it's never simple all right. So for me, I thought, you know, her pelvis, was, her left side was pushed forward. Then she was so forward that she hit the constraint and started shifting to the right. And then. Okay. Stop right there. Stop right there. Stop right there. Okay. So she went forward on the left and then shifted to the right. Yes. Okay. So if you bring her back on the right, was she ever there? No, but what I thought was then after she got to the right, that she got compressed even further and then started going to the right. Uh, no, because as she, as, she moves, as she moves to the right, okay, as she moves to the right, that's, that's, that's where the compression is taking place. So if you, if you try to move her back on the right side as a narrow ISA individual, you're going to create a refrigerator turn to the right. Okay. If you can move her, just reverse engineer the sequence of events that got her into that position. Mm -hmm. Okay. You'll move her back to where she came from in the sequence, like I said, just in the reverse sequence. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah, because I, for me, it's just, it has to do, it has to do with where the center of gravity was resting, has to do with literally the, the distance from the ground that she mm -hmm. started in. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you move her back. Okay. So here's what happens. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Narrow ISA, ER bias, right? Okay. Is ER up or is ER down? Up. Awesome. So she went forward on the left, okay? She got pulled down on the mm -hmm. left-hand side. Mm -hmm. Got it? Mm -hmm. You follow me so far? Mm -hmm. Okay. She went to the right. She got pulled down on the right. She got closer to the ground on the right, right? You understand? Okay. If I move her back, if I move her back, you pulled her down on the right. She was already down on the right. You just mm -hmm. took everything and went like that. Okay. So you got to move her back to the left. So she starts to go up on the right where she came from. Then you move her back on the left. So she moves back up on the left where she came from. You have to see these things in multi-dimensions. Good morning. Happy Friday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right, man. Busy Friday coming up. Um, the Intensive 16 is underway. We started last night. 
Um, today is the unlearning day, the day of discomfort, the day of frustration, and the day of struggle. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of the intensive, the intensive 17 attendees have been notified. So if you applied for that, please check your emails. Again, only eight people can get in. Lots of great applications. This was a toughie. We, we, had, a, we had a big tiebreaker uh, last night to try to decide on the, the last person to come in. So again, tough decision, always difficult, but appreciative of everybody's interest in the intensive. And uh, for those of you who did make it in, um, please respond ASAP so we can get that rolling and get your preparation started for the intensive 17. Digging into today's Q&A, this is with Matt. Matt had a great foundational question. It started off as a question about fascia specifically. It turns into a discussion of connective tissue behaviors, muscle position, and joint position, and how you can distinguish between whether you have a connective tissue sensation or a normal excursion of joint range of motion. So it'll be very, very useful for a lot of people who have difficulty still distinguishing between connective tissue behaviors and muscle behaviors. So thank you, Matt. If you would like to participate in a 15 minute consultation, please go to askbillhartman at gmail.com, askbillhartman at gmail.com. Please put 15 minute consultation in the subject line and include your question in the email. We'll arrange that at our mutual convenience. Everybody have an outstanding Friday. Um, again, intensive 16 underway. Very excited about that. You guys have a great weekend. I'm going to have a great one. I'll see you next week. So I've got a question that probably is a fundamental question that relates to Zach's in respect to um, connective tissue. But I'm trying to take a bit of a dive into fascia and understanding that. And I'm having a, a good deal of uh, difficulty trying to <clears throat> figure out how that works in respect to muscle actions and, and how what that interplay looks like. And one of the main reasons that I'm having difficulty with it is that, uh, that the network of fascia, as opposed to a muscle where we can see an origin and an insertion, and we can see a, a, like maybe a clear line of pull that causes a rotation, whatever it might be, fascia, because it you know, affixes in so many different places, and across so many different parts of the structure, it becomes really difficult to figure out when you're moving in a particular direction, what's pulling where, and then what's, you know, what's countering that. And I think the main difficulty that I'm having with it is that looking at it from a sort of a fluid volume shift, like we do with muscle, you know, we, we compress fluid and we can um, reduce the compression and expand it. Uh -huh. If we were taking that same principle with fascia, which is hydrated as well, the bit that I have difficulty with is, say we're looking at that elastic band representation of, of, of uh, connective tissue. Uh -huh. How does that play out with fluid dynamics? Like how does that, you know, because obviously we're not compressing, if we're pulling on it and it's, it is creating tension by pulling against the structure, then there's got to be a pull in, a, in another direction, which is, which is, you know, causing it to return or is it because it's, it's non, it's not like a, it's not compressible. Is it? I'm trying to get that around my mind. Whereas, you know, like a muscle expands and contracts. So we can see, like, it, you know, I can picture that as far as um, pressure is concerned, but I have difficulty with the, almost like the one way notion of, of we get the expansion, we come back to a midpoint, but then what happens after that? We have another bit of fascia that pulls past that and moves to the next point along the line. Is that, 
it, it, does that make any sense? That's a convoluted question, I know. Um, how about we go with maybe for a second? Okay. Um, are you trying to figure out how the tension translates from one place to another, or are you trying to look locally at like a like a like a compartment, like a muscle compartment would be like a like a almost like a um, a bag. Of, of like fascia would be the bag and then the water would be within it like where where are we here are we trying to look at something like yeah so probably probably a, a bit of both because it's not it's not clear to me that if you it's not clear to me that like say if we looked at gait for instance and we looked at an early representation of a left leg walking forward uh -huh. and, then, and then we see okay so we might have a um on the earliest phases before the foot hits the ground we might have a uh you know, concentric yield, if my memory serves me, no, concentric overcoming on the posterior side of the hip. Moving said, through. Yeah. So if we've got that in place, yes. so we've got a, when the, the overcoming is coming from a certain, uh, a certain direction of the connective tissue, there's got to be, there's, I'm trying to figure out how that, how that works rather than just looking at a tendon and going, okay, it's attached to the muscle and it pulls in this direction and we can yep. see that directly yeah. but yeah. the fascia is overlaid over so many areas and pulling in yeah. such different directions yeah i'm trying to figure out how that comes together have you i know you won't have a short answer for me but if you have no, a like, reference I that care. i can look at or something um yeah have you ever you ever held a water balloon in your hands yeah awesome so you squeeze the water balloon at one area and then the rest of it gets bigger yes okay that makes sense to you right Yep, 100%. Okay, so fascia does the same thing. So fascia would be the water balloon itself. Anything inside of that fascial compartment would be the water that's inside the water balloon. And then you have muscle activity that's going to alter the uh, compressive strategies and the tension through the connective tissues itself, right? So that's going to, based on rate of, of load, that's going to create the yields and the overcomes. So the, so the fascia is no different than any other tissue, other than the fact that it's a little bit more irregular in, in its design, right? But it is all-encompassing of every, like everything's wrapped in it. And that's for a reason, that's for sensory purposes. But, but, but the point is, it's like, as far as the connective tissue behaviors, it's no different than anything else. But you got to look at it as like a sheet of connective tissue versus like a strand of connective tissue, like comparing a tendon to fascia, right? They're the same stuff, right? Um, if you had a, uh, a bed sheet, okay, that was say made out of rubber and, and you got four people on the corners and they're all pulling it tense and then you take a bowling ball and you drop the bowling ball into the middle you would see it deform and it would deform more around the bowling ball than it would at your hands, but it would all deform. So there's always tension through the system. It's just that when I increase tension in one area, another area is gonna have to stretch and allow that area to take up the, 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 the tension. And so you would have movement through the connective tissues in that manner based on shape change. So all, we're still talking about shape change, right? You're just looking at these broader areas, right? So if you uh, if you're doing like an, an RDL and you were to look at say the hips, so the posterior hip, okay, 
and, and let's just say that we, we were looking at the fascia that was covering like glute max or whatever, okay? Would that, would that fascia be in an expanded representation? Would it be yielding under those circumstances? Yes. So you understand that, right? Yeah. Okay, and then when I finish the RDL and my hips go forward, what would happen to that connective tissue? Well, it would have to, it would have to return to its, to its, I don't know if you want to call it a neutral position, whatever it was. The, the, the you could just say way. starting conditions or, starting or conditions. You, would say, you would say relatively it's in an overcoming representation, right? Yeah. So the thing, yeah. the thing you, so uh, have you, you know what a tensegrity structure is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about tensegrity here is that it's like there's always tension through the system. And it's the minute I take up slack anywhere or produce a higher tension, something else has to move in response to it. And that, like I said, that's kind of what we're talking about here. And then as you release those, if, if you re release those, everything will snap back to its initial conditions. It's just like if I take my skin on the back of my hand and I pull it up like that, you can see it stretch, right? And I let it go and it kind of goes back to where it was. And when you get really old like me, it's a little bit slower than when you were 25. But, but point being, it's like it does go back into its original shape. But that's, that's because of the, all of the tension through the system at the same time, everywhere is connected to everything else. So is it fair to say that, is it fair to say that if you were having, say for instance, you've got someone that's got an injury and they put an arm in a, a sling or, or something of that nature that res restricts their movement for a period of time. Yeah. I understand the fascia remodels, uh, you know, relatively quickly as far as uh, a change in positions uh, concerned, it, it can remodel to accommodate the, the new position. Um, when we undo the sling after, let's say six weeks or, or whatever, uh -huh. um, albeit that the muscles change position of the joints, if that, if it, it, is that one of the reasons that they're, they're chasing range of motion um, sort of relatively vigorously, in other words, trying to return it to as much range of motion as possible as, as early as they can in order to um, make those changes to the fascia so that they don't remain a like a you know a permanent restriction in in movement or there's not well, yeah you have that, over the you other. Have, yeah you have that concern with all of the connective tissues though it's like like let's let's not give fascia more value than it deserves right yeah. I mean it's important it's very helpful like I said it's a so fascia is this giant suit of sensors it's filled with sensory information, right? That tells your brain where you are in space, right? So it's useful and very, and, and, and very necessary. Um, it does adapt, uh, but, but all the connective tissues are going to adapt under those circumstances. And so it's like, it's like we're not gonna single out fascia as anything that would be more important because it's gonna be included in everything because it's attached to everything, right? Everything's wrapped in it from bone to every, every organ right is contained within it yeah you know yeah. so oh, the mind it, it, it is an influence it's just not terribly special yeah i know oh, i've just seen some interesting changes in things like ranges of motion by you know if you want to call it trigger point or whatever you want to call it you know uh pressure pointing one particular part of what what you know thomas myers kind of book on anatomy trains and fascial lines and all that sort of gear yeah. and you you get a response to say, um, you know, I've, I've seen increases in like um, tibial translation, or if you wanted to call it like a, 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 the, the old needle wall 
the old need a wall test. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's by that, by, you know, applying pressure sort of in uh, pretty close to the belly button, somewhere around that region on externally and seeing quite significant, significant increases in range of motion with no, you know, stretching of the other region at all. Um, and, you know, it just interests me that you can have these changes in non-localised regions. And I expect that the fascia has some application for that or that, that that's occurring as a result of, of that, you know, transfer along that fascial line, if you want to call it. Does that make any sense to you? Well, so if, if, <laughs> if fascia covers everything, like everything, everything, right? It's one big piece, it's continuous. Yeah. Can't I just make a line anywhere that I want if it's all continuous? So is there really such a thing as a fascial line? <laughs> I guess. No, but there are relationships. So hang on, but there are relationships that produce the, so when I talk about helices, helical angles, ERs and IRs, that's what we're talking about. It's like, it's like there is, there is a, a pathway, if you will, that will alter that in very specific manners just because of the way that we are physically structured. And so that's what you're influencing more than anything else. So, you know, if you tickle somebody's belly button and they get more, more, uh, they get the knee gets closer to the wall in that little thingy that you're doing. It's like all you're doing is you're promoting a, a systemic change that allows you to capture a middle propulsive representation of everything. Right. I'm influencing the tension in the system in a favorable way that allows me to access the space. There's nothing magical about a fascial line, if you will. You're providing yeah. a sense, you're, you're providing a sensory input that promotes a change in the system to allow it to acquire a space. Right? The fascia will behave as it, it will behave based on the rest of the system. It is not, it, it does nothing in isolation by itself. And so would that be connective tissue Everywhere. related? Sorry? Well, some of it is, yes. But if yeah. the joint Think about this, if the joint position changes, right? That becomes muscle orientation. And I'm not talking about stretching. Like if you feel mm -hmm. a sensation of stretch, okay? If you feel the sensation of stretch, you are pulling on connective tissue. If the joint changes and there is no sensation of stretch, that's a change in muscle orientation. So, so that's how you distinguish between the two is that like when I talk about eccentric oriented muscle, that allows the joint to change the position without any tension on it. That's how you distinguish them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling the pull, guess what you're doing? You're yanking on connective tissue. So you're either at the very end of the excursion of a joint where the, where you do have full eccentric orientation of a muscle, or you still have concentrically oriented muscle and you're pulling on connective tissue. You just have to look for the joint shape change to distinguish what is going on. You have to pay attention to the sensation to determine what is going on. Okay, cool. Does that help you though? I think so. Okay.